guys, welcome to the Paddler's Playbook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Podcast Land. Thermal convection, man. These dudes almost killed me. You know, redfish are really dumb. How do you take your marsh dump? This fool used all my toilet paper. Bro, bye, Well, now that Drew's done dragging this on. TPP15. You gonna get a dozen shrimp? Hey, you throwing that cast net again this weekend? Oh, good lord. I almost died. I do not want to paddle that far. Once again, he almost died. <laughs> I'm not waking up at the butt crack of dawn. I'll see you at the launch around noon. I love wake baits. Haven't you ever heard them chatter? Let me double back here for a second. And now, a word from Saltside Jess. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle. Check out our sponsors. No, like, check out our sponsors. Check out our sponsors. Bro Staff. Today, the guys fly solo as they talk about fishing sayings and superstitions. So if you have a lucky paddle or sacrifice to the fishing gods before launch, then this episode is for you. Ladies and gentlemen of podcast land, welcome to another edition of the Paddler's Playbook. Chris, we don't have a guest for this one. You know, it's been a long time since me and you have just jumped on yeah, we it's been a while. You've been doing these recaps on last season's episodes on Instagram, and if you guys haven't checked those out, they are freaking hilarious. Um, Chris just has got the creative bug, and he he is all over Instagram on those reels. Well, you know you know what it is. I can use my uh, my mental capacity has increased now that I'm no longer on Facebook. It's not sucking the life out of my brain. <laughs> Well, whatever whatever it is, I'm I'm really digging it. If you guys have not checked out our Instagram page, it's paddlers underscore playbook. Um, check it out there. Check out these recaps that Chris has been doing. But we ha- we haven't done an episode with just me and you, you know, since. Oh, ooh. did you miss me, Drew? I did. I did. <laughs> and and when we were when I was making the upcoming shows episode, I was like, man. We need to have a few of these. Let let's go back to the old days, which was like last year, um, nine months like, ago. Yeah, nine. Well, you know what? This show actually marks our one year anniversary together. That's why I wanted to do it just me and you too, man. Oh, did you buy me a gift? I, you know, I'm not gonna buy you a gift. You know, I'm too cheap for that. <laughs> I'll, I'll make you something handmade. No, that's all, that's make you a card. <laughs> Make you make you something handmade, but we got to get out at the Got Fish Expo um, a few weekends ago. Our video for that, I think it re- went really well. We did a Facebook Live with it. We didn't air it as a podcast episode, so guys, check out the Paddler's Playbook Facebook page if you want to watch that video, and it'll be on YouTube really soon. But it was fun to catch up with guys like Rex and Hunter and Danny, freestyle fishermen. Gave us a shout out out there. I mean, it, it was a fun time. You know, the one thing about the uh, Gotfish Expo is that it's the now the first annual, and uh, I guess next year they'll continue to do this. But it's it's the only fishing and outdoor expo that Galveston County has ever had, um, and it's it kind of blows my mind that they have never had an outdoor or fishing expo on the island or anywhere near the island. Um, because I mean, come on, it's, it's a fishing town. It's an outdoor town. You know, it's, it, it's everything about Galveston bleeds outdoors 
um, so and fishing. So it, it uh, it's interesting that we had to wait this long, but uh, it's going to grow, man. It was kind of small this year. Um, you know, there I don't know how many vendors there were, maybe 50, 60. Yeah, there were quality vendors out there, though. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a bunch of fluff. You weren't looking at spas and, you know, hot tubs and things that had nothing there to do ain't with fishing. nothing wrong with drooling over a badass hot tub, man. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's at a fishing show. So, what's the official name for that show? I want to see if you remember what the official name Which of one? the show was. The the Got Fish Expo. What did Hunter say was the official the name of the show in the Galveston video? Galveston County Outdoor and Fishing. I don't know. The Galveston County Fishing and Outdoors Expo. There you go. There it was. I had to listen to to you guys, and and we said it twice. And again, if you haven't seen that video, we interviewed Rex from Action Hat, we interviewed Danny Wentz, we interviewed Hunter, we interviewed uh, Monster Fishing. Monster Fishing, that's, yeah, um, Michael Marquez, um, Danny, or, uh, I'm sorry, Nino, Nino Gonzalez with Redtail Optics. Um, he gave us the lowdown on, on his new frames, new styles, new technology that he's putting into his product. I, you know what, Drew, I told you last year I was gonna go ahead and jump on the Redtail Optics bandwagon and see what it's all about. And I have, I, not only have I jumped on the bandwagon, dude, but I've taken the reins, man. I've already bought like five pair of sunglasses from Nino. Well, uh, but I'm, I'm ridiculous like that, so. I think that video may have cost me some money too because Jess, Jessica watched it and she's like, man, I think I need those Matagordas. I'm pretty sure that I need a pair they of those Matagordas. sweet, dude. Uh, Michelle, I can't remember what pair she ended up buying, but she bought a pair while she was there. And, and she got her first pair for Christmas. I gave her a pair of Sabines for fishing. Um, and she, now we were looking at the, the yellow lenses the mirrored uh silver mirror yellow tint and i told her oh yeah i've got a pair of these and she puts them on and she's like oh i like these i'm gonna have to get a pair of these too <laughs> so yeah they look uh, really nice man they look nice i i want to i want to i, I want to purchase me a pair i so let me ask you this because i didn't get to really get hands on with them are they a little lighter than the costas yes they are Yes, okay. they are. They are lighter than the Costas. Apparently, the finish on the lens also is not uh, like I don't know what the, what you would call it, but it's not laminated over the front. It's not a film over the mm -hmm. front of the of the lens. It's actually impregnated between layers of of glass and or polycarbonate. So it's it's a different technology. I can't remember the name of it that they that he used, um, but. Like I said, it's he's come a long way since he very first started, and I think are the Matagordas, I think they're the the are they the Wayfair style? Yes, they they okay. were the ones up on the top right. If you were watching the okay. video, yeah. so the way they're the Wayfair style, but they have aluminum. Uh, the temples, side, temples, mm -hmm. and the, yeah, the arms are aluminum, so it makes them even lighter. Well, I'm looking for something that I can wear 
um, driving mostly. I, I, I need a nice pair of driving glasses and something that I can take from there onto the water because with my Costas, what happens is I like the rubber that they have on there for when I'm out on the water. But if I leave them in my truck, that rubber comes off because it's so damn hot here in Texas. And that rubber ends up coming off after six or well, eight months of owning them. Not only that, but believe it or not, most sunglass manufacturers are conscientious of, <laughs> if that's the right word, they, they're environmentally friendly. They build their product to be environmentally friendly. And the only way they can really score points, some brownie points there, is through some of those rubber pieces and by making those rubber pieces biodegradable. And so whether it be Costa or, or Redtail or um, Maui Gym, uh, Native, any of these other manufacturers out there, their rubber temple pieces and their rubber nose pieces are going to be biodegradable rubber. So yeah, if it gets hot in any way, or um, you know, heats and cools and heats and cools and heats and cools over time, it's gonna um, start to fall apart yeah. off of the, the plastic too. Just, just I mean, that's perfect conditions in the visor of my truck yep. for heat, cold, heat, cold, heat, cold, heat, cold. So that that's one reason why a, a lot of it happens with those glasses like this. But this isn't a show about glasses. No, man. So yeah, but you, wait, we forgot well. to talk about. Tina. We interviewed Tina, and we interviewed Justin Galvan from Heroes on the Water, the Matagorda chapter. So every time I see Tina, and uh, well, whether it be Tina and Mark, but um, or just Mark or or just Tina, uh, they are just a blast to be around, man. Such good people. Um, they really fit in with with our 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 group that we're we're working with on a regular basis down here. So I'm glad to see them just about everywhere we go. Yep, and Justin from Heroes on the Water was there at the Bait Butler booth. They were doing a giveaway with some raffle tickets. Um, Heroes on the Water, guys, if you have not heard of Heroes on the Water, it is an organization that helps get veterans and first responders out on the water, um, get some paddling. It helps them with gear, helps them with kayaks. So they're actually raising money to get a trailer to... Uh, be able to haul more kayaks. So if you just, you know, Google Heroes on the Water, there's a website you can donate to a chapter close to you. Or you can get on Facebook and just search Heroes on the Water. There's a Hero on the Water Galveston. There's a Hero on the Water Sabine. There's a Heroes on the Water Matagorda. There's a Heroes on the Water Corpus Christi. You can find all those on Facebook. And they're always posting, asking for volunteers or if anybody has an extra paddle that they can bring out. If anybody wants to go guide around a veteran. Because a lot of these guys, this is their first time out there fishing in a kayak. And... They just need somebody with them. You don't have to be a professional fishing guide. They just need somebody with them to show them how to paddle, you know, where where you could put your pole, what are some good areas to even fish. Um, and they just need a little bit of guidance, not a whole lot. But if you get a chance, check out the the Heroes on the Water. It's, it's a great cause. It's close to us because Saltside Jess is actually a combat veteran. And I've seen how much she has changed since she started kayaking. So it's a it's a really core cool organization. So shout out to Justin um, Galvan on that one. For sure, man. 
Oh, show. All right. You ready to get into these uh, superstitions and so, sayings and everything we go, that we're going to talk about today? I'm, I'm guessing this is a milk crate confessions, and we're going to talk about superstitions, fishing superstitions, or all superstitions. We're going to talk about all superstitions or just fishing superstitions? Sure. If you got a regular superstition that you want to talk about, I don't. we can talk I'm not about a, it. I'm not a superstitious person. I mean, we're, as we get into this, I'll... I'll let you and some and the folks in on a little a couple little quirks and and you know idiosyncrasies things that i i typically do while i'm out on the water but i don't think it makes them makes me superstitious guys 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 aren't you two forgetting something hey bro staff have i got news for you after 15 years the code has been broken Never before has a plastic bait been able to achieve the unique high-speed rolling action. But the Berkley Hit Stick has done just that. The Hit Stick delivers ultimate versatility with action that can be used as a finesse jerkbait, trolling bait, or casting bait for all predator fish. So hit up berkeleyfishing.com and pick up the one bait to rule them all. And while you're ruling them all, slide on over to the ACK website and enter to win the Lorance Elite 7 TI2 Inland. Get the equipment that finds them all, including Fish Reveal Smart Targeting View, CMAP Easy Routing, Auto Routing Capability, Active 3-in-1 Imaging Read, and Enhanced Surface Clarity. Let's you see more fish targeting close to the surface. So head on over to AustinKayak.com and register to win this fantastic piece of equipment valued at over $600. From winning $600 worth of equipment to looking like a million bucks, Real Sportswear has got you covered. Browse the innovative range of Real Sportswear's new releases with unique designs and style crafted for the ultimate fisherman. They help you maintain comfort and protection throughout the day with new collections ranging from jackets to shorts. Their fishing apparel is sure to be your go-to at realsportswear.com. As always, make sure to tell these guys who you're with by entering promo code TPP15. This is Saltside Jess reminding you to stay salty, my friends. Now, back to the show. But yeah, I. So, are you gonna start with the the big one first, or are you gonna save that one till the end? Which one do you want to start with? I'll let you pick. Which one do you want to start with? You want to start off with, don't leave fish to find fish. Okay, so don't leave fish to find fish. Do you really think that's a superstition? No, it's a saying though. It's a saying a that saying. a lot yeah. of people follow. So it's this isn't going to be just superstitions. It's going to be sayings that people follow, things people might see and decide okay. to do this or do that. So one of the sayings is, don't leave fish to find fish. Do you believe that saying is a true saying? I struggle with this every single time I'm on the water because I am such a fool for sight fishing that... Let's say I hit an area and I see some activity. Uh, in fact, this happened recently with Harry and I. Um, Harry Smith from Florida, whenever we were fishing in, in Grand Isle, Louisiana. I saw a school of fish and it was feeding. And we were trying our hardest to make it over to that school of fish. By the time we got there, the school had moved, but we didn't know exactly where. 
And I was just like, well, screw it. I'm just going to move on too. But if I would have done like Harry and just stuck around, he caught a couple of those fish. Um, my ass, man, I got to, I got to move like all the time. Struggle with the leave fish to find fish thing. It's bad in my book, man. I, I, I wish I could stick by it, but I don't. Now, if you're fishing a tournament, you're posted up on a marsh drain. It's a pretty good moving tide. You're catching flounder. You're catching trout. You're catching a redfish 23, 24 inches. Are you going to leave that spot to, to go somewhere else, or are you going to work that spot for a while? Sounds horrible, but I would leave it. And why would you leave it? Because this kind of brings me into to, to my thought process on it. Well, all right. So, and, and a, lot of, a lot of successful fishermen out there will tell you, those fishermen that are looking for, for size rather than numbers, um, the larger fish hang out by themselves you know, a lot of times, not necessarily in groups. And the, when you're in groups of 22s, 23s, that's what you're going to be surrounded by, you know, four-pound fish. Um, you're not going to be able to find the the nine pounder that you're really looking for. That nine pounder is going to be sitting by itself. Um, it's not unless unless you find like one of these big open water schools. Okay, if you find a big open water school, then you're probably picking through overs in order to find that one that fits inside the slot. Um, but I'm not talking about you know it, that is. When you find an open water school, you're no longer you you have no longer left fish to find fish. You have fucking found the fish. Yeah, yeah. they're there. You <laughs> yeah. found them. You, you found know them. where they're at. Yeah. And when you're saying open water, you're not talking about in the bay. You're talking about like I'm in talking big open water. Or are you talking about when you find schools in the bay? Anytime, anytime you find um, an open water school, and I schools that are on a grass line or schools that are um, that are nose down in 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 the grass um, I'm not talking about those I'm talking about a a furiously feeding school of fish in open water okay uh, that that t school is typically a very aggressive school of fish um, the ones that are feeding on the grass lines I kind of uh, compare them to like unruly school kids um who are who are trying to get to you know a snack cart or something like that and they're all in the same grade these kids yeah, are all yeah. in the same grade they're, they're all the, the same th size they're the they're same all in, size they're yes. the same size yeah they're all the, that's a good analogy they're unruly school kids and they're jumping all over each other they're sure they're fun to catch man but once again you're and uh, drew don't get me wrong if i see a school of redfish Cruising down a grass line, I'm gonna make my way over there, and I'm gonna. Pull I don't care if they're out. 15 inch. I don't care yeah. if they're small fish. If I see them, I'm going. I, yeah. I'm headed over there. Like you were saying though, the leave fish to find fish. If you're on a meat haul and you're just trying to fill the freezer, you're trying to get some some food for a fish fry. You want to take some stuff to your family, and you get into a school of trout. Don't leave those fish. Stay there and fish till they quit biting. But if you're in a tournament and you're catching 16, 17-inch trout, Bye. 
Bye. You're you're not gonna you're not gonna pull a larger twenty six inch, twenty seven inch fish out of there. Now, are they sometimes below the smaller fish? Yes. They they're, they could be they could sure. be there, but it's fewer and far between whenever you're you're dealing with stuff like that. And it's the same thing with redfish. If you talk to some of these um these these old salts, okay, and what I mean by old salts, I'm I'm even gonna uh lump uh, Clint Bargy into the old salts, you know, uh, and guys, these are, these are people in the, in the Texas Gulf coast area, Clint Bargy, um, uh, Rick Spillman, uh, Captain Scott Knoll. If you ever listen to them talk about, you know, their fishing experience, they will say if they're finding, you know, mid slot fish in the water, in a certain water column in a hole, they may throw in a heavier jig to get deeper or just fish what they've got tied on deeper. Uh, but sometimes you can't make it past those little suckers uh, mm-hmm. if, if you don't put on a heavier jig head. But they will try to at least fish deeper to see if there are some larger fish underneath the, the mid-slot fish, okay? Because they do. The larger ones will hang out down below. But... Those of you who have listened to the podcast know that I don't usually fish deep water. I don't fish pockets or, or um, pinch points. I'm I'm purely after the sight cast, casting um, experience. So uh, I leave those drains to you guys. I love the drains, times. but I, I, I don't. Do. I don't fish the I don't fish the deeper water either. And I think when whenever you're talking about they're throwing on something heavier to get down deeper, that's when they're fishing like five foot, seven foot, exactly, ten, yeah. ten foot ten, of water, up to, up to ten foot of water. Yeah, yeah, that's not when they're fishing in two, three foot of water. Like you're, they're exactly, you, <laughs> you're not catching anything on top waters, and, and you're catching nineteen inch fish on top waters, and don't think that you could put a three eight, three eighths ounce jig head on there and catch a bigger fish on the bottom and that's not me, happening let me go back to what i what i said um do i ever fish drains and and canals and things like that absolutely i sure do but it's not my first choice okay um if i see activity in one of those areas i will hang out and try to see what i can pull up okay uh, i don't like completely dismiss every single body of water just because it's not a sight casting opportunity yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with you there. I I, I think we all kind of get suckered into it whenever we see some activity on the water, especially those that have spent a lot of time in the marsh. Even if you got your back turned and a big mullet splashes oh. down or something, you what stop and you listen. You listen. You're like, shh, shh. What was that? Because you want to see if it's a redfish coming through so you can hear that thrashing. Um your instincts take over. I think that's a. I think that's a primal thing, Chris. I think it's a primal, instinctual. You hear something, you see something, and you are drawn to that thing on the water. I think it's our caveman. It's our caveman it's coming our, out. Our instincts, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, don't leave fish to find fish, and if you do, it's not necessarily a bad omen or or a, a superstition that you're you're getting into, but it's just a good rule of thumb. Next, next, watch the cows. All right, so what about the cows, man? Let's talk about the cows. So I know that you've, you've talked to a few people about other 
mm, activities that cows may be doing that could attribute to your day on the water. But I've only known of the one um, particular instance where if cows are laying down, being lazy, taking naps, the fish are going to be lazy, taking naps too. Um, have I experienced that? Dude, absolutely, man. I sure have. And does it matter? No, because I'm going to go fishing anyway. <laughs> so you really think that that's a thing? That if the cows are laying down, that maybe the cows are just tired and it's friggin' hot. Like, do you, do you really, <laughs> so, I mean, so do you take notice? Yes, I do take notice. So check this out. Um, all right. So I went, can't remember. Oh, it was, okay, it was with Addie, my daughter. We left to go to our fishing spot, and we're going down um, the diversionary canal. And there's a spot where there's these cows, okay? And the cows are up roaming around, and it, the sun isn't even up yet, Drew, and they're roaming around mooing and everything, okay? We get to our spot, and it's just loaded. We, we were sight casting all day, and we found schools that day. Great day of fishing. I go to take uh, Colin and Gerardo fishing, and I'm like, yeah, guys, just wait until we pull by these cows, man. These cows are awesome. We get there, and they're all dead asleep. Dead ass just knocked out, man, laying on the bank. I'm like, wow, this is going to suck. We get out there, one bite all day long. So you I tell wonder, me, man. I wonder, <laughs> it's not I a wonder why that is. But I wonder why that is, because the thing, here's what gets me about the fish. Now, if the birds are flying around and they're very active, then I can make a correlation between there's more bait in the water, the other fish are active, the birds are flying, um, there's more wildlife activity, because they're predators. They're, 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 e they're eating birds. I mean, they're birds of prey eating fish. They're predators. Cows are eating grass, dude. <laughs> like, they don't have to chase nothing. It, it It's just the grass. The grass is going to be there or the hay is going to be there. Like, what part of the day okay. or, or what makes them eat more? Let me ask I mean, you this I question. didn't look this. I didn't do any research on this one. So maybe somebody that's smarter than me will tell me why the cows are more active at certain times of the day whenever they're eating. I bet you it has something to do with digestion and everything else and they're like... Well, five stomachs, four stomachs. How many stomachs does a cow have? I don't know. Oh, enough to shit a big old pile. <laughs> um, so what what apps? Do, let me ask you this question. What apps do you use the most whenever you go fishing? Before you go fishing? Windfinder. That's about it. Okay. I use Windfinder to see Windfinder, how windy it's going to it? be. Yeah. Well, I mean, Windfinder and I look at my weather app and then that more because I don't want to psych myself wanna, out. He doesn't want to admit it. I don't want to psych myself out when I'm looking at the salooner calendar there and I'm looking go. at the tides. I'll, 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 answer, do, I'll do that on the way to the launch um, because I don't want to say, man, this is going to be a shitty day just because the that's what the the you know tides for fishing app said. I, I just so, I don't want to psych myself out. So it's not it's it's not a uh, there's not a science to it, okay? Or it's not a perfected science. You can't say that. Basically, it's just correlations, right? But over 
time and periods, you know, where people are tracking this stuff, they notice that, ah, wildlife is more active at this, you know, moon phase versus this moon phase. I get it, man. But sometimes when it comes to fishing, that solunar is, is affecting the tide. And Mm -hmm. so that's why fish are more active because the tide is more active. You might have a four tide day versus a two tide day. Um, You may have a a large tide, incoming tide and a large outgoing tide, or you may have a slack tide, you know, like a shit tide all day long and your fish are not going to be very active. Well, if you're, if your predator fish aren't active, it's probably because guess what? Your bait fish aren't very active. And if your bait fish aren't very active, your birds aren't going to be very active, right? It's a, it's a secular pattern that takes place and it all kind of ties into moon phase, but does it affect wildlife as well? I've often thought, well, there are no tides on land. Exactly. So, so, so that, that, Theory doesn't apply to cows and and uh, chickens and and wolves and uh, deer, werewolves, but, werewolves, but not wolves, <laughs> werewolves, yeah. but not wolves. But somebody says that it does apply, and I don't track land animals as much as I do fish, so I can't tell you. But the whole cows laying down thing, cows standing up, I'm I'm gonna say that there's something behind that i just don't know what it is and i'm not saying it's superstition either i was doing a little bit of reading the other day about moon phase and everything like you were just saying and one of the articles i read said that if when the moon is bright enough and it's a clear um type of day and clear night that it actually tricks the fish into thinking that it's actually like dawn that there's enough light coming from that moon that it tricks the tricks the fish into thinking it's dawn and it's 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 about to be feeding time um that it's about to be feeding time but that's only if it's a full moon and if there's enough full moon fishing is the shit bro i don't know if you at night yes yeah yeah it's it's awesome but I wonder what that has to do with cows. That's what gets me. I, I don't know what it has to do with cows. <laughs> now, have you heard any other superstitions with the cows? Yeah, because or, or just standing. Me. Okay, so <laughs> so Bobby Clark, who is a part of the ACK Syndicate, he said that if the cow and this is a bass guy, so I don't know if this applies to Those bass guys are weird, man. <laughs> so this is a bass guy, and he said that if you pass some cows. And they're close to the fence, that means you need to fish shallow. <laughs> and if you pass the cows and they're in the middle of the pasture, then that means you need to fish deeper. I think that dude's yanking your chain, bro. <laughs> now, I, look, that's what it said. And then another guy said he had never heard of that. But don't. Oh, damn. <laughs> But I'm going to test it out because there's a couple places I go fishing here on Lake Conroe that I do pass some cows. So I'm going to I'm going to try out the um, deeper and the close to the fence and, so and fishing shallower. How, how does it affect your fishing day if the cows are getting it on? Oh, you may want to just 
it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's the spawn they're going you're going to find them on beds you're going to find them on beds they're spawning right now oh hell oh hell come on <laughs> oh All jesus right. christ next one man <laughs> Uh, let's see. You wanna you wanna talk about the big one here? Let's talk about the big one. No, 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 not the big no? one. No, not right, the big here, one. Let me, let me uh let me throw a couple other ones to you right quick. All right, throw. All right. let's throw some. So so everybody has um, I can't say everybody. Most people have lucky something or others, okay, that they take fishing with them. Um, I can't say that I've ever had a lucky something or other. You know, I have picked before in the past that I've got. Uh, lucky tournament draws that never get washed. That was just me kidding, okay? I, <laughs> that would be disgusting because kayak fishermen, we get swamp ass on a regular basis while we're out fishing. So, no, I don't have no lucky tournament draws. But I did wear the same hat every time I went fishing for an entire two years. And that hat was funky, dude. Um you don't ever wash it? You don't ever wash your lucky hat? No, hell no. Uh, well, okay, here's the thing, man. If, if there's any luck to that hat whatsoever, if there's any luck in that hat, I don't want to wash it out. I don't want, I you don't think want the, it. You think the luck comes from your sweaty-ass head? Yeah, I just don't <laughs> want to wash it out. But the thing is, is that, honestly, it fit perfectly, okay? It fit my head and it still does. If I go to put that hat on right now, it fits my head perfect. And there's absolutely, um, it has got good curve to it, so it keeps the sun um, not only off from the top, out of my eyes from the top, but also around the sides. Um, it's a great fishing hat. And it has an American flag on it. Miracle, baby. Miracle. My lucky fishing hat, and I don't know how I got this hat. It's a hoorag hat. And it has come and take it, and it has a Texas Rigs weedless worm on the front of it. And if I have been having some crappy trips, and you, you see you me with that, that hat. hat, that's the hat I'm wearing. And I don't know what it is. And then when I go offshore, I have a black kind of Gilligan's Island hat that I wear, and that's my offshore one, and I always have luck. But I think that has more to do with Scott Weiland. Um, and where he's taking us than anything else, because I always wear that hat, and we always catch fish. So, so if you I, guys, I don't know what's lucky about it, though. Those guys that are listening, if you drop us a line, man, let us know what your lucky uh, hat or lucky draws are or whatever, man. You have a lucky item that you bring with you fishing. All right, you want you want another one thrown at you? No, I, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, go ahead. Rabbit's foot. Why is a rabbit's foot lucky? Do you know the story behind the rabbit's foot? No, but um, I also, I do know that uh, growing up in Louisiana, and I can't remember what the superstition was, but um, the first kill of the season, they would hang the deer legs out on the fence. For don't know why? To keep keep the tatai away, I guess. The rougarou, the tatai? <laughs> the tatai, yeah. The rougarou. So apparently, ladies used to carry around a rabbit's foot whenever they would like they wanted to get pregnant, because wow, you wow, wow, wow. you know the the old uh, the old saying like let's go uh, let's go do the do like some rabbits let's let's go oh, yeah let's, 
Let's go do it like some rabbits. So the rabbit's foot was supposed to help out with fertility because of the sexual habits of the rabbit. So people started, I mean, this makes perfect sense. People started cutting off their feet and carried around with them so the lady could get pregnant, and that became their good luck charm. Wow. That's did they, wear it, did they wear it while they were performing the act? I don't know. I'd be interested in knowing how, how the rabbit's foot worked and what you had to do with the rabbit's foot in order to increase your fertility. I mean, guys. Funny nobody... you should ask. <laughs> to increase your fertility, it has to be the left hind foot. If the rabbit is killed or captured in a cemetery, it will increase your fertility. And the rabbit's foot needs to be cut off on a specific day. Preferably a Friday, and you will have better luck with your fertility, Chris. <laughs> Bubba comes home. Hey, Charlene! Charlene, we got it in the bag this time, baby. I got the left foot on a Friday while I was visiting Mama in the cemetery. That, that, that's how you get someone pregnant right there <laughs> right there guys write it down if you're having fertility issues no use to go to a doctor listen to the paddler's playbook and head to the cemetery <laughs> and look for some rabbits that's what you got to do you got to go hunting rabbits right now <laughs> oh good lord you got another one let's see here uh, before we get to the big one yeah um let's see so it used to be, as far as mariners are concerned, uh, boatsmen or whatever you want to call them. King Griffey um, Jr.? No. Was he always a mariner? No, no he played he for was... the Red. Look, King Griffey Jr. was the man. I know we don't talk about other stuff a lot, but King Griffey Jr. was one of my idols growing up, him he and Bo Jackson. He finished his career with the Mariners, though, right? Yeah, he played for the Mariners. He played for the Reds. He went to... New York, um, I want to say maybe the Padres or something. Like to towards the end of his career, he he just went so, off. So anyway, if <laughs> Mariners, sorry, go. If, if you want your boat to have good luck, whether it be fishing or sailing or just general seaworthiness, okay, it was superstitious that you must christen thine boat, and it must be done with wine or champagne um i still see it today you know every now and then you know you'll see somebody do a youtube video or something like that where they christen their boat with you know champagne bottle and there's it's always on movies i can't remember which movie it was they go to like bust the bottle of champagne they bust the freaking boat you know the bow <laughs> of the boat breaks and they're like oh shit yeah it's starting off pretty bad here um but me personally man uh i christened mine with urine I was just, that's, look, we're on the same page. I was just about to say, I christened mine with Red Bull, bright yellow pee, um, about halfway into the morning, whenever you, you get that energy drink pee that just feels so good, and you're like, why do I keep peeing? I didn't drink this and, much. And I'm sorry, ladies, I know my wife gets so ticked off at me. She's like, women pee too. Don't, yeah, don't let I, them fool you. No, 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 no. But she gets mad because before she gets a chance to hop out of the boat and handle her business, I've already peed like three, four times because <laughs> I can just I can just stand up and do the business, right? 
Especially with the Hobie, they have a built-in toilet. You just pull the drive and go. Just, why, why just pull aim, the drive. Aim right. Oh, just pee on the drive. Just extra <laughs> lubrication. Extra lube there. Hey, uh, Rico, in case you're listening, I'm bringing my drives in for maintenance. <laughs> Wash them babies off before you start working on them. You pull up to Chris, and he's just got suds right there in the middle of his drive. Just bubbles, suds everywhere from where he's been been peeing in there. At least I'm not like those guys that are like, yeah, I've tried pooping in mine before. No, 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 man. It has nowhere to go. It's going to stay It's just right going to float. It's just going to float. I mean, maybe they know their body and they don't have floaters. They have sinkers. Oh, that no. just, good Lord. Just go to the bottom. Well, this is this uh, episode's going to hell real quick. <laughs> well, right. since we brought up energy drinks, okay, this is going to piss some people off because this is a old adage that has probably been around for a while i don't know how it started or who the first person to decide they were going to do this was but i posted in uh, the kayak bass nation uh, group the other day and half the people wanted to crucify me and half the people agreed even when i posted some research on it um they still didn't care they they were just they had their mind made up so there is a thought out there in the bass world, and here we get back to the bass world with, with the craziness, that if you pour a sugary carbonated beverage, uh, Mountain Dew was the one that was mainly named the most, on a bleeding fish, that it will coagulate the blood faster, and that fish has a better chance of living if it's bleeding when you hook it. Chris, have you ever heard of such a thing? Who, what Bubba came up with that? <laughs> Look, I said, I asked what in the name of West Virginia hillbillies is going on here with the Mountain Dew. And this is not a joke, guys. My family is from West Virginia. So we would go visit West Virginia. And when I was about 16, we went to the store. Well, I'm going to tell two stories real quick because this is a funny one. So we went to the store and a... 12-pack of Mountain Dew was cheaper than a 12-pack of bottled water. And that is not a joke. I am really? I am dead. I am dead freaking serious. And in the same store on this same trip, I wanted to make some breakfast tacos. And, you know, down here in Texas, you, you want to make some breakfast tacos. You want to go get some tortillas. You just head over to the bre- uh, bread aisle and there's 57 different types of tortillas. You got corn, you got flour, you got half and half. You got the ones that you heat up and make yourself. You got all kinds of tortillas. So I'm at this store in Huntington, West Virginia, and I go to the back aisle. And I'm looking, and I see the bread. There's the hot dog buns. There's the hamburger buns. There's no tortillas. So I search across this whole damn store looking for some tortillas and finally I found somebody with the vest on so I knew he had to be the manager had a had a red vest on and I asked him I said hey man where are the tortillas in this store and he said oh we have some you've got to go over to the ethnic food aisle and in the ethnic food aisle it had like a little thing of mexican food which was old el paso 
like taco mix, one thing of tortillas, some refried beans, and some rice. And there was like right by the little uh, Chinese section that had like the the uh, Panda Express sauces and all that. And that was all the tortillas they had in West Virginia. You know, <clears throat> I'm going to go on a rant right quick. Houston does not get enough recognition whenever it comes to the fact that we are a melting pot. Okay. Very much so. Plain and simple. We do not get enough recognition. And we are. We're probably one of the most diverse cities in the entire nation. With the best food. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why, and this is kind of political, and I'm sorry, but it's because we're split right down the middle, man. We have just the same amount of Democrats as we do Republicans, and um, and, and we're often, mo- most people are often in, in the middle of that crowd, okay? We don't get the recognition because of that. We don't lean too far. We don't lean enough left, and we don't lean enough right, okay, to belong to either one of those groups. Uh-huh. So we don't get things like, uh, you know, Super Bowl or, or um, we had Super Bowl once, I think, but we don't get um, Olympics. You know, we don't get those things in our city because they say we're not diverse enough. Bullshit. We are the most diverse in the country. Just come and take a look at HEB. Exactly. <laughs> That's the be- Man, if, if you- I ever moved out of Texas, as much as I love fishing, I would miss HEB more than anything else. Dude, if you if we had an ethnic aisle, okay, which they, they might have an ethnic aisle. International you're, food aisle. You're going to find some weird shit in there that you'd never, ever, ever seen before in your life. Best Un- sauces ever. Unlike, yeah, unlike um, this West Virginia place that the most exotic food that they had to sell you was some refried beans. <laughs> Exactly. And that, and I'm not joking when I say it was it had ethnic foods on the little deal that hangs down that says like spaghetti noodles, pasta, all that. It said ethnic foods. And I'm like, man, how backcountry is this when your your Mountain Dew is more than your water and you got an ethnic food out. But I love my family in West Virginia. I know some <laughs> of them listen. I I am I come from a long line of uh, Appalachia hillbillies, like I, I love those. Where were we going with this? What were we talking about? Oh, Mountain Dew. Okay, so you're pulling Mountain, you're pouring Mountain Dew on a fish. Chris, you've never really heard of this until I sent it to you the other day. No, nope, I use I use soda from my battery terminals, and that's about it. <laughs> it. Yeah, it eats the heck out of your battery terminals, and we put it in our stomach. That's what's crazy to me. Now, is there anything? In your eyes, send stuff to Spacehead that would tell you that this is a good idea? Not a damn thing, man. Not a so, damn thing. I mean, there's so many just awful things in, in a soda, and a Mountain Dew especially. Um, I don't know why anybody would have ever thought of doing that. I just don't understand how it would help coagulate or, um, or you know... I just don't understand. I think it, it it stems from the fact that sugar is known to help coagulate wounds and it and it's good for wound healing. But that is like granular sugar. Yeah. Packed granular sugar. Yeah. I mean for 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 years that's been kind of common knowledge that that can help with wounds. 
and we can get into bacteria growth and everything else, but that's a whole different podcast and a whole different subject type. But I think that's where it comes from. But then in that post that I made, the guys are like, it's the sugar. And then some guys are like, it's the acids. And then, then some, then it's some the guys are like, it's the carbonation. And I'm like, and then some dude jumps up and he's like, it's the do. It's the do, man. <laughs> and, and people even go to the extent that a few guys said that they carry a two liter of Coke or Mountain Dew in their kayak with them to help with conservation of the bass. Buddy, I don't think you're helping with the conservation of the bass, but that's just my opinion. And uh, I, I don't hate you or, or think ill of you, but um, stop. I, I say stop pouring soda down the, the fish's face, man. <laughs> now, I'm going to post on the, on the Facebook page because there has actually been a few studies done, but I'm going to post the most reputable study that I found on the Facebook page for you guys that believe that it really does have an effect. And some guys were like, man, just do it and see, and you'll see that they'll stop bleeding. And I'm like, well, fish blood coagulates pretty damn fast. It um, does. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, you can see it when you, when you, okay, we, we bleed fish a lot, right? Yes. We, I mean, I, when I'm keeping fish, I bleed them. And when I go to bleed that fish, almost, I don't, don't want to say it, it's not instantly. Minutes, you yeah. can see it becoming gooey. Yep. You can and see if you have them out gooey. of the water, it'll become even gooey or faster. Yeah. But there was a study done where it was a scientific study. It wasn't a guy in a kayak with some Mountain Dew. It was a scientific study. These guys took musky that they had caught that were bleeding. They had a control group that they didn't put anything on. They had a group that they did pour, um, I think it was Coke on. So, I mean, maybe Mountain Dew is the trick instead of Coke. But they, they poured that on there. They tested it in different temperature waters. They tested it with fish caught from different depths. Like, they went all out with this study. And they came back and said that there was zero benefit to pouring a carbonated sugary drink on, in, around a fish as far as it's healing. So, you can go by your old adages and stuff. I'm just telling y'all what science says. And I know some people don't believe what science says. I'm just telling you what science says. So, moving on from the dude. <laughs> um you know how I said that we all have like idiosyncrasies, little things that we do whenever we're fishing that, um, you know, like for instance, I always have my um, anchor trolley to the left and never to the right. Uh, and it's not necessarily because there's anything superstitious about that. I just fish off the right side of my boat. But there's something that I do that may be considered superstitious and maybe you guys can help. Um, when I tie a knot, Okay, I use a double loop uni to most of my terminal, and in that loop, I will use no more, or I'm sorry, no less than five turns, and never more than six, and no less than five because I think below five the knot won't actually work, and no more than six because 
everybody says seven's a lucky number, and I'm not superstitious, and I refuse to be superstitious, so seven can suck it. Well, now you're going to make me look up why seven is a lucky number. I don't know why seven's a lucky number. So keep talking while I look this up, why seven's a lucky number. <laughs> you talk about some knots. Lucky, lucky seven? Or... No, no, I've heard of it. I just, yeah, don't, know just don't know why. why. I don't know why seven is thought of, just like I didn't know why a rabbit's foot was, there's, was thought there's to a be lot, lucky. There's a lot that goes around along with, with uh, seven. I had a dog named seven, um, and he, she was probably the most amazing dog I've ever had in my whole entire life. But um, there's also, you know, the fact that, you know, seven is the perfect number. Um, you know, a God made, you know, created earth seven days, you know, that's, stuff like that, so. yeah, that, that's what it, that's what this, I'm just going by the first thing that I found on Google, but that's one of the, the, the first thing that comes up is it's a biblical thing yeah. because it took six days to create everything and God rested on the seventh. On the seventh. And, yeah. and there's a lot of, uh, different reference, references to, um, seven and things uh with the what's the word i'm looking for not denominator but that you know oh, are derived from seven there you go there's a lot of numbers that yeah okay are derived from seven but also seven is a um a prime number okay it's only divisible by one in itself um it's it's considered to be the perfect number um by most people but it's also lucky. I, I know it. Um, the the uh, Asian Asian people, you know, I don't know a lot about their culture. Um, I, I wish I could travel more and, and learn more, but um, I know that they use the number seven a lot in in you know whether they're naming something uh, like a store or a, a restaurant or something like that. Um, they use you know seven a lot. But anyway. Seven's Lucky how many seven. trips I take to the buffet at Jim's <laughs> Korean barbecue too. That's how many times I go up and how to many get times my, he, my plate. He purges before he goes to the launch. Uh, pretty much, pretty much. You ever seen that movie Lucky Number Slevin? I have. Yeah, it's a play on Lucky Number Seven, but the dude's name is Slevin. That's a pretty cool movie, man. I like it. That the end of that movie, something. <laughs> the end of that movie. I don't want to ruin it for anybody for the, that hasn't anybody seen that hasn't it. seen it. Yeah, for anybody that hasn't seen it. So do you do any weird things like, uh, okay, I, I, so I say no more than, no less than five, no more than six. So basically I always tie my knots with six loops in, in the uni. I do five. You do five? Five. And I don't know why I do five. The type of, the type of knot I do, um, you can actually like the different way to hold your hands and you can actually swing the lure and let the lure just swing around. And then you tie it on there, but I let it swing around five this times. Is, this is something you were taught when you were like five years old. No, 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 no. This, this was is, a different. This is like like your, your not loop, swoop, there. and pull. Yeah. No, yeah. no, yeah. no bunny talk, going little bunny foo foo. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like that. Nothing like that. But five times for my knots. Um, I don't know if it's a superstition, but I always throw a paddle tail first. Unless it's everything's just like tops are just blowing up around me. I always reach for my paddle tail first. I do always rig up my rods before the night before. I, I don't know if that's a superstition, but that's a routine. Yeah. Every time. And I always have a popping, whether I pull it out of the rod holder or not, I have a popping cork 
I have a top water and I have a um jig head with some type of soft Sir, plastic. That's all that's all style of fishing. That's not nothing to do with superstitions, man. But I I I do it the day before, always. Always the day before. Do you have a certain way that you, you load should, your stuff up? You should start doing it the day of. That maybe you'll start catching more fish. Well, now that I'm bass fishing, I'm a bass fisherman now, Chris. I didn't think you knew that, <laughs> but um, I caught a bass the other day from the kayak, and I had been bass fishing for about 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and I caught one. So I'm pretty much a pro. Only took me 15 minutes to catch it. So I, I think I'm going to enter every tournament imaginable. As long as it's on Lake Conroe, and I know I know where I can catch one fish in about fifteen minutes. He's always going to be there waiting for you. Yep, I put him back. I mean, he should go right back to where he was. You give him some dew. I I did, and he's like, bro, bring bring back some of that good stuff. Bring back some of that dew. Um, did you have a superstitious number? Like, were you the same number in football and? basketball uh, like what was dude, your number 55 55 55 was yep why, why 55 I all right hold on end. danny wentz put the pin down i can hear oh. you cl- <laughs> i can hear you clicking the pin and playing with the reel. um but 55 so that was your number for everything do you guys have i know you were a diver did you guys have numbers for the diving team or anything uh no we didn't we did not have numbers. The uh, uniforms aren't big um, enough to put numbers on those. They, they really aren't, man. Uh, <laughs> My lucky number is 11, and I always wore number 11 because Barry Larkin was the shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds, and I played shortstop growing up, so I was always number 11. Even today, like when I just bought my Super Bowl squares, I picked number 11 to, as one of them, and number 22 is another one because it's the you know 11 times two but let's 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 get into the big one man let's talk about i believe one of the number one superstitions in fishing bananas about that's for sure yeah bananas are bad luck to have on your fishing journey in a boat do you believe it is true Chris, yes or no? Well, seeing as though I save all my bananas for my protein shakes, I don't bring them on the boat anyway. Do I believe that it's true? I don't think there's an omen that surrounds it. But I think because it's stuck in your head that it may be causing you bad luck, that you might actually have a shitty day out on the water. Now, do you know of the origins of some of these stories? Well, I'd be taking your thunder away if I say yes. No, go ahead, because I have like seven or six different different origins of why bananas on a boat may be a bad omen for fishermen. So the most serious of all um, reasons why bananas are bad for boating uh, is back in... I don't know, 17, 1800s. Um, when when humans were fighting the plague, they they would try to minimize the the fruits and and vegetables that they took with them sailing, and bananas was one that often attracted rats and mice, and rats and mice 
were carriers of, I believe it's the Bublonic. Yeah, Bublonic Plague. Um, And therefore, you did not want to carry bananas on your boat, especially when you were trying to traverse an entire ocean to get from one land to another. Hey, tell people to slow the hell down in your neighborhood, man. Did you hear that? That was yeah. loud, dude. That must have been some guy all hyped up on Mountain Dew in his <laughs> big old truck going by. But you're you're right. So that is one of the you know reasons um, that about the bananas. Another reason is that. <laughs> The dog's going off. <laughs> now, now my your damn your neighbor driving his car too too loud, and now my my dog's all tore up about it. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up, Petey! <laughs> okay, so you have that one, and then you also have that a lot of these bananas are are grown in more tropical climates, and there was a fear of venomous spiders that may have been in the bunches of bananas that would come out on the ship and, you know, uh, bite some of the crewmen. It, was, it wasn't the rats. And, you know, we don't know which one's true, but that it was more about the venomous spiders. So regardless, it's what, it's what the bananas bring on the boat or attract to the boat rather than the bananas themselves. Yes. Another one, though. So a lot of these boats that were carrying uh, fruits, bananas was not the only fruit on the boat. And I actually think that this one is probably the most likely to be true. This is the one that I believe is probably the most likely to be true. So... They were not only taking bananas, they were taking mangoes, they were taking a, a, a lot of different kind of tropical fruits. I'm going to screw this up, but when bananas, bananas give off ethylene, um, and ethylene... As they, as they rot? At, no, as they ripen. Oh, as they ripen, okay. Yeah, so whenever... Which they're actually rotting as they're ripening, but sure. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. They're to me, they're not rotten until it's ready for it's, some banana it's, bread. It's sugar ethanol, right? I, you got me. I just read ethylene, so, so so they start to put off ethylene because when they're cut, they're cut green, and then they think about how long it's going to take them for the trip. So then, when they get to where they're going, they'll be you know ready. they'll be ripe and they'll be ready. But they give off ethylene, like that is a known fact. Ethylene will make other fruits ripen faster. If you take an unripe banana and you put it with a unripe mango, the mango will ripen quicker than the banana because of the ethylene that the banana is putting off. They said if you put it in a paper bag that it will happen. I think that that's probably the most likely reason be that bananas are bad luck because it could potentially spoil the rest of the cargo that was on the boat. Hmm. Well, now you know why your mom had a banana hanger. Well, my dad had a banana hammock and my mom had a <laughs> banana hanger and it was a rough childhood. It, it was a rough childhood. It's a rough childhood. 
So have the, you ever seen those, the banana hangers? Yeah, so we had, they, we had one. Like yeah, they're, you're they're, joking, but we had one. We so my mom my mom didn't have the banana hanger, but she had a basket that, uh-huh. that she separated her fruit in. So basically, apples were in one basket, oranges and and bananas in another. Um, but yeah, I guess along the same lines, um, people have just you know realized that I believe it's a. Uh, it's a sugar ethanol is what, what it gives off um, as, as bananas. Let's face it. They're primarily all carbohydrate, all mm-hmm. sugar, um, especially as they ripen. Um, but I can see that, you know, causing a problem for sure. Now, was the basket that was hanging in your mom's kitchen, was it like a three? Like there yep. was three different compartments and oh, you would it, have it like was... apples in one and then the top would be like uh granola bars and everything else No, it was always apples oranges and bananas the three basics always hung in those baskets yeah the top one on ours was always stuff that nobody was going to eat or you would only eat it every once in a while like there'd be hot chocolate in it for a year that nobody would use the hot chocolate packet why would you put hot chocolate in the basket i I don't know because the basket always had to be full with something it didn't matter what it was like there had to be something available Okay, it's not only a place for you to put your 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 fruits or and or vegetables, but it's a place for you to display your fruits and or vegetables in as as a part of your decor. Why the hell are you putting hot chocolate packets as part of your decor? I don't know. Ask my mama. <laughs> Damn West why, Virginians. Why do we why do we need that? <laughs> Just like why do you need a box for your bread? Why do you need a bread box? A bread box? Okay, so the bread box is supposed to keep it, uh, keep all the the varmints and sh- out. Away you from the bread. you don't need a bread box. You need to clean. That's what you need. <laughs> you don't need a box to keep the varmints out. You need to clean your damn house. I remember having a bread box whenever we were younger. Yeah. Now yeah. now it's just it's in the in the pantry. And, we had uh, a bread box too, and it said bread. Like nobody knew yeah, that that yeah, was like, the no. bread box, <laughs> and the butter dish that says butter. <laughs> yeah, like nobody knows that that's the butter and the bread. Nobody you knows do, that that's where that's supposed to be. You do need a butter dish though. Butter dish is required. Okay, we're going way off topic here, but that's okay because this is fun. Do you guys keep some butter in the refrigerator and some butter out on the counter in a container? That way you have soft butter yep. and frozen butter. I'd never or I never had that experience until um, me and Jessica started dating and she started leaving. I kept putting the butter back in the refrigerator. <laughs> she's like, and she's it. like, what are you doing? Like, why do you keep putting the butter back that's in this container? And I'm like, because it's not supposed to be out. It's supposed to be in the refrigerator. And we, we went back and forth for a while. But now it stays out, and I like it when I want to have some butter bread with my spaghetti to Here make you, butter bread spaghetti sandwiches. If you, oh my God. <laughs> You've never had a butter bread spaghetti sandwich? Dude, that you eat so horribly. <laughs> that will change your life. Now, I say I say that after, you know, tonight I spent a lot of time working on the Bronco today. Uh-huh, and, and I saw you eat an apple pie from Whataburger hey, hey, and hey, whatever you're though. crunching on. So I ordered I ordered a chicken sandwich, man. All right? I was at least trying to be good. You know, wheat bread, chicken sandwich. Um, and I did want some fries. I was like, okay, I'm going to get some fries. But they sent me a damn apple pie instead of fries. So <laughs> you were like, oh, well. I was like, well, I'll, I'll eat the apple pie. <laughs> Since I got it, I might as well eat it. Let's, let's just <laughs> chunk that down. Bro staff, if you're listening 
please get on the Facebook page. Well, no, because Chris is on Instagram. Go like the Instagram, Paddlers underscore playbook, and let Chris know on his next post that you also enjoy a butter bread spaghetti sandwich because they are delicious. All right, right, you want to hear something ridiculous, man? So I was a a fat kid, right? I mean, I was was pretty big, dude. I was a skinny kid. My, have the tables have turned. I've got stretch marks from when I was a fat ass as a youngster, man. And one (laughs) one of my favorite snacks for the day, and this also tells you how poor we were growing up, was a butter sandwich with pure white sugar. That, hey, I could get down with a tortilla with butter and cinnamon. Dude, I'd, I'd slather, slather a piece of bread with some butter, sprinkle sugar all over that, and eat it like a sandwich. That is horrible eating, man. That stuff, that's probably why I have carotid artery syndrome right now. <laughs> What type of nutrition are you getting from white bread, <laughs> sugar, and butter? Dude, like zero. That's why, that's, and because I ate that, that's probably why I was such an asshole as a kid. <laughs> you were just you, <laughs> bouncing off the walls, freaking going crazy. Hungry, but bouncing off the walls because you didn't get any nutritional value out of anything you just say. At least with my sandwich, I'm not getting anything from the pasta or the bread or the butter, but. I'm getting tomatoes. I'm getting some meat. It's kind of, it's two food groups, right? I guess so, dude. I, I get it, though. I I, I get it. Next I've time you, it, if you ever eat it spaghetti. Fine. It tastes just fine. I have spaghetti probably like once every three or four months. Well, do it with some butter bread. White butter bread and slather can it can on I, there. Can dude. I have just some garlic bread, regular garlic bread? No. No, no, no. It's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> it's a single fold, one piece of bread, and it you fold it around. It ain't row enough. <laughs> it's, it's, not the, it's not row enough. All right, so last thing about the bananas, which I also think that this may be the... Second, most likely, or maybe it's third, most likely. I don't know. We just talked about the bananas ripening. So the boats that carried some of this fruit had to be moving pretty fast to get it to the ports, to get it offloaded. And they say that the boats were traveling at such fast speeds that the fishermen on board could not effectively fish because of the speed of the boats that were carrying the bananas. Where if they were carrying something else, they could slow down a little bit, maybe take their time, do an extra day or two, and do some fishing. But with products like bananas that yeah. needed that had to be there quickly, they couldn't really fish, so therefore the fishermen hated it. I remember reading about that as well. So I think that one may be the, the second most likely... Uh, with the ripening the other fruits for the bananas on the boat. So, really, y- you're not taking anything else? I mean, maybe we should do a banana, no banana challenge and, and see how that works out. Or if you catch a fish with a ba- Let's do a fake... You want to do a giveaway? Let's do a giveaway. So, I'm going to send the first person who messages us on Instagram paddlers underscore playbook i am going to send you a real sportswear buff if you send us a picture 
with you holding a fish in the kayak and a banana or a banana peel in the other hand. I'm, I'm going to send you a fruit. Just Paddlers underscore playbook on Instagram. Make sure you like us and follow us there. And the first person who sends us a message is going to get a real sportswear. In. Yeah, it's going to get a real sportswear buff. I like that. Y'all send them in, man. Chris, how close are we to doing a giveaway on YouTube? I think we're pretty close, aren't we? Man, slowly, slowly, slowly getting there, but uh, not quite to 100 yet. Now I think we need to put some content out there. I think I might start putting my stories on, on YouTube. Man, put those recaps on there because those are hilarious. And guys, those recaps go away after 24 hours, I believe. And they're funny. Like, they're they're really funny i know chris isn't that funny on the show but he's really funny <laughs> on instagram whenever he's making these making these things but make sure to check out the instagram make sure to go to the palace playbook facebook page we're really excited about that the bro staff group has been growing we haven't done any big meetups but i've been able to fish with probably six or eight guys from the bro staff recently um it was cool meeting up with them uh doing a little freshwater fishing up here i know there's a lot of guys in the houston area that really wanted to get in on that white bass run and we did that last straight tripping episode about that but guys we just want to thank you guys for listening chris you got anything else you you want to talk about before we get out of here I'm good, man. You know, I need to get out and do some fishing. I haven't been since I went to on my Louisiana trip, um, and it's we've had some really great weather, man. This weekend's looking good. I need to get out there. I just don't know if I'm going to have time, man. Well, I know where there's one bass up here if you want to go try to catch him. I can tell you where he's at. I'm going to go uh, bass fishing on Saturday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ready. There's a tournament coming up in March that I'm already pre-fishing for, and I'm not pre-fishing to find the fish, really. I'm just pre-fishing to try to figure out how to catch bass. Uh, I say pre-fishing, but I'm just really trying to figure out bass. But on our next episode, we're going to have the director of the Cats tournaments on. It's a freshwater series presented by ACK. Caden's going to come on and talk to us a little bit. I was trying to get him on right now because there's some stuff going on in the bass tournament world, but they are doing their due diligence in researching some of this stuff that's going on. I'm sure you guys have seen it, but they're doing their due diligence, and, and he wanted to make sure he had all the facts and everything before he came on the show, so I, re I really respect that. But he'll be coming on the show uh, next time. In, in, in two weeks to, to give a little information about the Cats tournaments, freshwater tournaments, and some of the stuff that's going on that I'm sure you guys have seen there. And we have a stellar lineup coming up. I am very excited about it. Chris, who are you most excited that's coming up? Jim Salmons. That's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to speaking with Jim. Um, I get to comment back and forth with him every now and then. Uh, and you know what? It, it, it's not so much that he's probably going to tell us something new that we don't already know, um, but it's just cool that he's going to be a part of the Paddler's Playbook. Yeah, Jim Salmon, that's going to be a cool one. We have everything scheduled out through May, guys, and um, 
we're gonna bring you some good content. We have some good guys coming up, some good um Facebook live coming up. We're gonna have a live episode. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. But Chris, man, this was fun. It it feels like we've reunited and reconnected on our one year anniversary. We were just like flying by the seat don't, of our pants. Don't hate me if I'm not that sentimental. Well, I mean, one of us has to be the sappy one, and one of us has to be the 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 tough guy. I'll, I'll let you be the tough guy. I'll be nice, the sap. I'll be the sappy, <laughs> sentimental one. So it's okay, as long as you let me eat the the spaghetti sandwiches whenever we go out on dates. <laughs> Just give me your last piece of butter bread. Oh, good lord. Okay, man. I think I'm done. All right, let's get out of here. See you later, bro, Steph. Adios. Peace.